Amen. Have a seat. We've already prayed. And I want to jump into what we're dealing with today. I've shared this story before, but years ago I was in college, many years ago, and I was going on a mission trip. I'd only been a believer for not even quite a year. And uh, we were going to Baltimore, but we had to travel through Nashville, Tennessee, and we were going to spend the night there. I think it was Belmont College. Uh, I'd never been there. I'd never been to Nashville. Hadn't even been that far uh, east, I don't think. But uh, So we're driving. It's late at night, 2 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, that was before you had phones that you could put in your car and drive and, you know, smartphones, that kind of stuff. There was no GPS. It was just a map, and you try to find it. And so we're in his little Toyota, and we're driving and driving. We can't find the place. He's getting frustrated. I'm getting tired. I'm tired and sleepy. And I, I began to look out the window because we, we kept making these little turns. And I kept looking, why is the road so narrow? And we kept doing that. And finally I looked out. And, you know, it's, it's 2, 3 in the morning. I'm looking. I'm going, why is that little flag over there? And we drove. We, there's another flag. We had got, he had gotten so confused. We were driving on the gar, cart path of a golf course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know you're a redneck from South Arkansas when you do that. You're going, okay, these are narrow roads here in Nashville. We got a little confused. He got a little confused. I'm going to blame it all on him because I had been asleep most of the time, at least the last couple hours. But, you know, it's, we can do that, can we not? I mean, I, I can get confused with the GPS. The lady and the guy talking to me, I want to go, talk. you got to talk quicker. I, thought, I just missed a turn, you know, and, and uh, we can do that. Uh, we were at camp. I wasn't at camp, but we had a bunch of campers. I think about 300 or something campers. And I used to be a student pastor. And we don't, don't get nervous. I'm not going to hit you. Uh, but we used to play. We called it Dizzy Izzy. We had relay races, and and uh, you'd start out, and you'd have to, you know, you do this number here, and you do. I, I'm only going to do it once, okay? But you do it like 10 times. Then you go run. You tag the person. You come back, and you've seen that. I mean, you know, and the people are just going nuts. And and what's happening is. They, they lose their stability. So there's instability. There's a confusion physically. The reason why I share that is because we're going to be starting the book of Jude. We're going to be in the book of Jude for three weeks. So you got, you're stuck with me for three weeks. But it's a good book. So don't focus on me. Focus on the book of Jude. Uh, many pastors don't teach the book of Jude. I'm not sure why. It's only 25 verses. But he's... He, the, the writer, Jude, was confused at a time in his life. You know, every one of us here, we've been confused. It may not be instability physically. It could be emotionally. It could be mentally. You may be confused at a decision that you need to make. How many of you guys have made a decision in a time of confusion and, and you felt a little dizzy, izzy, and, and you made the wrong decision? We, we've done that, have we not? Here's what I know, 1 Corinthians 14. Now, it's in the context of worship and order and stuff like that, but it says, God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. Okay, now, you can go and I want to remind you again, it's about order of worship there, but Paul throws this in because his nature is not a God of confusion. Now, he'll allow you to be confused if you want to. And he can throw the enemy in confusion if he wants to. But his nature is not confusion. And so if his nature's not of confusion, it's of peace, and he lives within us, guess what? We should not be living a life, the entitled this, don't be confused. You know, we have an enemy out there, and I think we have an enemy sometimes called the flesh that confuses us. 
you know, my, my mind says this, truth said this, the body says that, and, and I get confused. Ever since man's fall, it was really all about confusion. God had one command, one command. It was very easy. You don't eat of the tree over there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, what does man want? Man wants knowledge, right? Well, that's the USA. We want knowledge. We think knowledge in itself is powerful. And knowledge is good. And knowledge can be bad. But what did they do? They made a choice. They said, you know what? Instead of being obedient, they chose, we want more information. We, 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 but they bought into a lie during confusion. And I get it and understand how that can do. We, we were coming back from Arkansas the other day and we stopped at this place called Bucky's. I don't know if you've seen these or not. They're massive. I mean, massive. And uh, the largest one that they had, we're in there and, and we're coming out of, because we just went and potty like a rock star, okay? Some of you have seen the billboard, you know what I mean? Some of you go, what did he just say? They're billboards that says potty like a rock star. I mean, their bathrooms are massive. Women don't even have to wait in line, according to what my wife says, okay? And, and, and so I said, I'll wait on you here. And I'm standing here, and guess what's there? This big box of fudge. Now, I said I wasn't going to buy it. I began to say, don't buy it, don't buy it. You don't need the fudge. You don't need the fudge. It's just in here. You know, get a snack, but not the fudge. Teresa comes out, and we're talking, don't, don't, don't jump ahead of me. I'm not throwing Teresa on the bus because it wasn't her fault. But I looked, and I finally said, you know what? We're on a road trip. We've been eating bad for the last week since we've been in Arkansas. Why not? So we buy the fudge. Under confusion, buy the fudge. And I don't need any fudge. I still get zits from eating fudge and stuff like that. <laughs> At my age, you know, you think you get over it. But uh, so I want to talk to you about don't be confused. And the thing that we need to be, we need to understand, and this man, does this not hit home? Is if we don't understand our identity, we'll be confused. That's the reason why I asked Grant if we would do the song that we just got through singing. I mean, is that not a phenomenal song? So biblical. I am who he says I am. But if you don't know who he says you are, then you'll never be who you're supposed to be. So we're going to begin with our identity. Now, the book of Jude, we need to understand, his real name was Judas. Maybe you didn't know that. It's a root of Judah, but it's Judas. That's his real name. Uh, for some reason, they said, uh, let's do Jude. Maybe they didn't want to get him confused by Iscariot, Judas Iscariot. But there was, there was many, that was a common name. So it was not uncommon, but his name is Jude. And Jude was the brother, we'd say half-brother, of Jesus. Some of you didn't know that, but uh, over in Mark 6, 3, matter of fact, you, you can still get it this afternoon, it shares the siblings. And Judas is one of them. Simon's another. Uh, James is another. Yeah, we know he had a couple sisters. And, and, and so can you imagine being Jude, Judas, and you grow up and your big brother is God? I mean, think about that. I mean, now he didn't know it at the time. Matter of fact, even when Jesus started doing his miracles, you know, he, he, he didn't realize that he was God. Until after Jesus was resurrected and he appeared. And so think about the confusion, okay? He, he, there's something unique about the guy. He never gets in trouble. He always does the right things. He knows the Bible. He knows the word. Then eventually he turns about 30, goes gets baptized. He starts doing miracles and teaching. And he says, I am the Sabbath. I am the rest. And, 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 and Jude is confused. So let's just jump into Jude. There's 25 verses. We're only going to cover three today. Uh, some of you are going to read ahead. And some of you, if you're not careful, you're going to say, I'm not coming next week. 
okay? This week's good. And the ending is good. It gets a little tough and uncomfortable in the middle. But I want to challenge you, don't skip out. Some of you think you know the middle part because you've heard preaching on it, da-da-da-da, and I don't want to get ahead here. But be here next week. So let's just look, Jude, verse 1, a servant. I mean, think about this. You, you went, your big brother, most people don't want to serve their big brother. Okay, I am the big brother of our family. Man, me and my two youngest brothers, we got so many crazy fights. I mean, I remember one time my brother come chasing me, he had a butcher knife, and, and I slammed the door just in time. Or I think what hit me. And I mean, well, I could go on and on and on and on. I mean, you know, it's just the way it was with us at the time and uh, so they didn't like big brother telling them what to do and and so here we have Jude saying okay this is what he grew up now something changed his identity changed he says a servant the word there is doulos it's it's uh, it, it's it's a Greek word that means a, a slave without rights now I know some of us when we hear this word we cringe because we don't want to do that but the more you know Jesus I'm going I want to be a servant of Jesus. You know why? Here's why we don't want him to be, because we don't, we don't understand him. He's a phenomenal master. He's like no other master. And he cares for you. He has a plan for you. Yeah, we go through tough times, but he's always there. Until you understand how good a master Jesus is. And so somehow, through the confusion that Jude had, he finally came to the realization that, wait a minute, my brother is the son of God, and I will be his doulos. I will be his servant. Whatever he says, whatever he wants done, I will do. Why? And it says here, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Now, James was his other brother. Now, we know of James as... Uh, he was the leader at the church of Jerusalem. He's martyred. Then his church historians tell us that Simon, the other bro- one of the other brothers, uh, takes over in Jerusalem. So, I mean, it's amazing what's happening here is because these guys are getting a new identity. Now, he could have thrown in, hey, uh, Judah, the brother of Jesus. <laughs> he was being humble here. He was not getting atten- attention. He said, hey, Judah, servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Look what it says over in John chapter 7, verse 5. Uh, just to kind of throw in, we, we could spend a lot of time on who, who Jude is, but we won't. Look what it says there. There we go. For not even his brothers believed in him. Now, prior to Jesus being resurrected and everything, they didn't believe. Now, I don't know what they talked about. I don't know what Mary had shared with, with the siblings. We, we don't know. But it says they did not believe. They were confused. Look what it says over Mark 3, 21. Mark 3, 21. It says that when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. Here's what was happening. Jesus had begun his ministry. He was so busy, he was not eating. You can read in the context. He was saying things that just blew them away. And they're thinking, okay, something's happened. He's tripping out. Uh, we, we need to bring him on. We need to feed him. We need to set him up, put him on IV, whatever. Uh, he, he, he's, he's saying he's God. He's, he's the rest. He's the Sabbath. And on and on and on. And so I want you to get that context, is that that was what they thought of them. They were confused, but something got clear in them. You know what? We all go through that journey, do we not? We go through. Some of you right now, you may be in a state of confusion. Who, who is God? Who, who, who am I? 
We, we're living in a world, it's, it's always been this way, but in America, I think it's gotten more and more extreme. I think we are doing so much injustice to our children by confusing them of who they are. We'll talk more about that next week, but, but our identity is in Christ. Now, look what happens. There's a change. Look what happens in Acts 1.14. We see it says, and all of these with one accord were devoting themselves, what? To prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and what? And Jude was there. So he went from confusion to clarity because Jesus showed himself. I mean, can you imagine? Think, think you grow up, you spend 30 years, and the house would have been extremely small. Some of you guys were going to go to Israel with us next February. If you hadn't signed up yet, I want to encourage you to do that. But you'll see how small these houses are. They're basically rock houses. And can you imagine, you know there's four guys and at least two sisters and a, and a mom and dad, and then the dad finally passes away. But in a small room, can you imagine what it was like at times? But Jesus never complained. They're just going, how come he never complains? How come he never grumbles? How come he does? And you know, he, he's something different about this guy. But then all of a sudden, they see this. Then they see him crucified on a cross. You're thinking, Man, I wish we could have helped him. Can't believe what he did. He, he went so extreme that they crucified him. But three days later, <laughs> Jesus rose from the grave. And, and, and Judas here, Jude, is flipping out in a good way. Now I go, oh, wait a minute. All those things he said, they're accurate. My brother really was. How do you comprehend that God comes and lives in a body and he's your brother. Well, the Bible says he's our brother and friend too. Think about that. So our identity is very important. We could have gone on, you know, uh, our identity, we're forgiven. 1 John 3, 1, we're cleansed. 1 John 1, 9, we're set free. Galatians 5, 1, we're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we're more than a conqueror. Romans 8, 37, we're a friend of God. John 15, 14, on and on and on and on. We got to know who we are. And it's not because we're special, like, okay, uh, your works are a little bit better than your bad works, and, and God, God likes you. No, God just likes you and loves you. I don't even comprehend how much God loves me, but I do know he loves me. I mean, he gave his life. What kind of friend does that? I got a friend in Jesus. But three things I want you to understand about our identity. First one is, is I am called by God. I am called by God. Some of you have seen the little commercial. It's uh, Charles Barkley, and they're selling some kind of credit card. I can't remember the credit card. You, you know, there's little kids there. You know, you got Charles Barkley, the big basketball player, you know, NBA all-star. And he goes, yes, I knew she would choose me. You've you, you seen that? <laughs> I love that commercial. I think it's funny. But you know what? It's not funny. That's real meaningful. Is that God chose you? He called you. Look what it says in verse. It says to those who are called. To those who are called. That's verse C there. Jude one one C. All right. What you got it? I'm not sure what's happening here, but I'll, I'll just read from my Bible. It says to those who are called. Those who are called. I got a picture. I think we should have a picture of a pew in a church. Can we get it there? This was sermon was done in a hospital. Oh, there we go. In December, I was back home, and uh, for some reason, 
I just felt like I wanted to go by a little small church that uh, I gave my life to Christ to. A little Baptist church in South Arkansas. And I, I, I uh, drove by, and I saw someone driving up, an 80-something-year-old pastor there now. And I said, I told him who I was, told him I was a pastor. I said, you know what? I gave my life to Christ here. The third time I'd ever gone to church here. And, and uh, I said, can I just come in and just, I just want to walk, reminisce, and pray. And I, I walked to the back. And right there, see that very back pew there? Two seats over, that's where I was sitting. It was a Sunday night. I went to go because a friend of mine who was a drug addict was going, and, and he didn't want to go by himself, so I said, I'll go with you. And right there, man, I remember I was listening to this guy with an English accent because I was fascinated by his accent. But because I was fascinated by his accent, I began to hear him sharing the gospel Right there, I'm going, whoa, I realized for the first time that I, that I was a sinner. I'd missed the mark. But Jesus died on the cross and rose three days later for me. And right there, I'm going, wow, and God's going, I want you. I want you. I have called you. So I'm called by God. I want you to understand. I want you to just say it out loud. One, two, three, I am called by God. Come on, one, two, three. One, two, three, I am called by God. You know, it's one thing to get a phone call. Go, hey, you made the team. Hey, you got the job. Get the house, get the girl, get the guy, whatever it is, you know, you go, wow, that's awesome. But think about this, the God of the universe, the great I am, he chose you, he called you, he, he wanted you. And some of you are saying, oh, yeah, you know what, dude, you need to get over that. He chose you. Just because that's who he is. It's because of his character. Second thing I want you to see under our identity is this. I am set apart to be loved by God. I am set apart to be loved by God. Look what it says in the verse here. It says we are called. Let's go to the verse once. To those who are called, the next one. There we go. Beloved in God the Father. There we go. In some translations, it says sanctified. It all means the same thing. Here's what it means. Get muscle man here. You, you don't even have to stand up because you're going to intimidate me. <laughs> We're going to be meeting tonight. Amen. You're going to be there. Good deal. Do you know that God called you, Brandon, and he set you apart so he can love on you, man? He can love on you. Amen. That he has set you apart. God called this Jewish dude here. I ain't going to call you a dude anymore. You're too old to be a dude. <laughs> Ted. Well, you're a dude, dude. All right. Well, his son. Called you, set you apart. You, you, you're a, you got a degree in pharmacy. You know what it's like to, to set those pills and drugs apart? God set you apart so he can love on you. Eric, God called you and has set you apart so he can love on you. Do we, do we get this and understand? But here's what happens. We go, well, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. He still wants to love on you no matter what. The issue is, will we allow him to love on us? He will do it in so many ways, tangible ways. Sometimes he'll just show up and you just, you just feel his love. Sometimes you don't feel it. You just got to know it. 
You just got to faith it. Look at the cross. It displays it. So we're set apart to be loved by him. But we are set apart to love him. Yeah. He is awesome. Yeah. Just love on him. You know the greatest way we love on him? By trusting and obeying him. We can sing songs and we need to sing songs. We just heard that this morning. But he's looking for more than just a song that we sing to. He's looking for a life to say, you know what? I'll be obedient. I will, I will trust you. You know, you can't even be a disciple. You can't call yourself a disciple if you're not obeying him. That's, that's what a disciple is. And so we're set apart for him to love us. That's why we say get in the word of God. Pray through scriptures. Let him love on you. You love back on him. Then out of that, guess what happens? We get to love on people. God's got people. Here's what I'm convinced of. There is someone every single day of your life that's set apart for you to love on. Now, if you're married, that's easy. If you got children, that's easy. You know who it is every day. But God has set apart divine appointments, I believe, every day. I'd be lying to you to tell you I think I find them, see them every day, but I see them most every day because God just puts them right in front of you. Now, if we're not loving, if, if we're not allowing Him to love on us, if we're not loving on Him, we won't see them. God just sometimes just plops them right in front of me. I was at the Charlotte Airport uh, a couple months ago, flying through. I was going to the rest, going into the restroom. And as I was coming out, I noticed this guy. He's kind of like this. He's probably, he's older than I am. I'll just say that. And he was just kind of, you could tell, very insecure. He's kind of over in the corner. But he cleans the restrooms. And I've been overseas many times where my son lives. And, and a lot of these nice airports, they bring in people from Pakistan, India, wherever else. And, and they, they'll spend 12 hours a day in a restroom, literally 12 hours a day. They'll get paid maybe 25 cents, maybe 50 cents an hour. And uh, I don't know what it is, but I know what it is. It's God in me. It's not me. It's God in me. I just noticed those guys. And so I was at the Charlotte Airport. I go, wow, this is kind of new. I hadn't, hadn't seen this. And uh, I just walked over. The guy just moved. I just, I just saw him. He was like, pew, get ready to wash my hands. Pew, there he is. And the Lord said, Go love on that dude. Go love on that guy. So I go over there and talk to him for a moment or two. He tells me where he's from, what nation he's from, and everything. And, and I share with him a little bit about Jesus. And I didn't have a lot of time. And I said, Jesus wants to bless your socks off today. I don't even know if he knows what that means. I don't even know if you know what that means. <laughs> but I gave him a very large bill. I'll just say that. And gave it to him. You notice I said Jesus in there and I gave something tangible. Why? Man, I live like, wow, it's phenomenal when you get to do that. I was in Fort Smith, Arkansas recently because we went there because my wife's brother lives there. And we pull up at a drugstore to get something. And, and guess what? I pull up, I park it here. 
Guess who's right in front of me? Someone in a wheelchair up on, on a hill on the road. And I, I go, all right, here we go. I mean, it was like, here we go. My wife kind of laughs because she just, it, they just, they're just there all the time. I look at her, I said, well, you know where I'm going. So I, I walked up her, talked to her for a little while, listened to her story. Very poor. She didn't have any teeth, hardly at all. She, you know, I, I shared with her a little bit about Jesus. And I didn't bless her socks off because they didn't have as much money, but I, but I blessed her. A couple of weeks ago, I'm driving into my house, my neighborhood, and there was a guy who was walking through the, through the neighborhood, and he was walking like this and doing this. I, I, I knew he was a Muslim doing his prayers. And uh, he was probably a block or so from my house. About 15 minutes later, I'm in the, my front yard clipping some tree limbs, and he walks by. Well, because God has been setting me apart for love, and I've been loving on him, and, and God says, go out and talk to the guys. So I go out and just talk to the guy. His name's Abdul. We talked for a while. He was talking to, on the phone to uh, one of his family members in Bangladesh, and, and uh I could tell he was super friendly. I was like, wow, okay, God, is this a guy of peace? But even if he's not a guy of peace, I'm going to love him anyway. And so we talked a while. I go to the backyard. I could tell, man, he was, he was intrigued for some reason because I kept seeing him kind of walking towards me but doing this and that. And finally, we said, go in and give him. We just bought a big thing, case of waters, and put them on my shoulder and carry him out there. I said, uh, he tried to pay me. I go, no, 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 no. This is a, I said, this is a love gift. I didn't say Jesus or anything like that. It didn't feel appropriate at the time. I said, this is a love gift. See, it's, it's, not, it's not always the big things. It's just being obedient to the small things. But in God's economy, there is no big and small. It's just, yes, I'll be obedient, or no, I'll be disobedient. That's really all it is. We're the ones who measure it. So I'm set apart to be loved. The third thing is I'm kept for Jesus. I am kept. For Jesus. You guys aren't listening fast enough. I am kept for Jesus. Look what it says in verse E. It says, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept, kept for Jesus Christ. Look what it says in Ephesians 5.27. Ephesians 5.27. It says, so that he might present the church, that's me and you, the body of Christ, himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. We're not going to read it, but you can go read this afternoon in Revelation 19. We got the wrong verses in there. It's Revelation 19, 6 through 10. It's, it's, the, it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you, do you know there's going to be a wedding feast? I like wedding feasts. I, I, mean, I do. I just like feast. <laughs> but a wedding feast, man, it's, it's awesome. You know that Jesus, we're going to be presented to him, the bride of Christ. What, what a picture. Someday, that, that's, that's what's going to happen. We are being kept. It means the Holy Spirit has sealed you and me. Whether you're up and down, up and down, and up and down, it's not the issue. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to finish up. 
You're going to finish there at the marriage feast of the Lamb. The second thing I want you to see, not only our identity, we don't want to, you know, because if we don't have our identity right, we'll be confused. But the second thing I do want you to see is our blessings, our blessings. I love this, man. You ought to pray through this today. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. This is what Jude is saying here. He's going, hey, this is my prayer. Here's my wish. This is my desire, that mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. How many of you guys want that multiplied to you? I do. God has an abundant amount of peace. He's got an abundant amount of joy. He's got an abundant amount of grace. He has an abundant amount of mercy. And he can give as much to you as he wants. I'm like, more, more. And I'm convinced he will give more and more as we learn to trust him. And the third and last thing is our mission. Our mission. Don't be confused. Guys, we are passing through. My mom is finishing up the race. My dad's already finished the race. I may be finishing up the race. You don't know. Now I know what I pray. God, give me 10 more years. Keep me well. Keep me safe. Keep me healthy. Then we'll get to 10-year mark, and I'll probably ask for more. But I, I want to run. I, I want to complete the mission that he has for me. It ain't over yet. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much you've screwed up in the past. It's not over. You have a mission. Look what it says in verse 3. It says, Beloved, there we go, reminded, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, part of the reason why that is, church historians tell us that Jude was an evangelist with him and his wife went with him. An evangelist. And so an evangelist, they're always passionate about their salvation and, and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. He said, that's really why he's, I'm, I'm starting this letter with that purpose. But I found it necessary. Now, when you look at that in the Greek, that means uh, what he desired to do and he started writing, Holy Spirit said, no, nope, that's, that's not where we're going. He had to pivot. He had to change he says, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to what? Contend for the faith. The word contend there means to agonize. It's a military word. It's, it's an athletic word. It means, you know, you're, you're running hard. You're, 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 you're shredding here. Uh, it's a, it means to agonize, contend. It means to guard. It means to watch out. That's part of our role. That's part of your mission. But what? To contend for what? It says for the faith. Now, most of us, when you read that, you probably thought he was talking about your faith. He's not talking about your faith. He said the faith, the faith. Matter of fact, there's several times in Scripture where it talks about the faith. You go, what is the, the faith? Right here. The Bible. The teachings. The doctrines of the Bible. And we've got entire denominations that quit contending. They've left to appease the, a lost world. Guys, I want to say it. That ain't going to happen at Keystone. If somebody comes in here and wants us to change the word of God to appease, it ain't going to happen. And I'm not knocking those that have already veered off of that and, and have become apostate, but there, there are entire denominations that have done that. There are individual churches that do that. There are people who do that. He says, contend, fight, agonize. Don't, don't change the gospel. That's part of your mission. And it says here, to contend with the faith, 
and here's what it says, and was once for all delivered to the saints. You know what that means? That means it's not going to change. It's already been here. Most of us, most theologians believe that all the apostles had, the original apostles had died off, and it's just him, and he's not an apostle, Jude's not, but uh, him and John were the only ones left, but he's saying the gospel is complete. It's complete. It's complete. It's, it's not changing. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That will never change. It ain't by works. It's by grace. Jesus pulled it off. Amen? Well, I always preach too long. Someone's... Let's look at Acts 2.42. We're going to look at that. Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That word could have been called doctrine. Have you ever heard people go, well, I'm not into doctrine. You better be into doctrine. Okay? It's correct doctrine that sets you free. He says they, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. But I want you to see there that the key word is doctrine. You, you can see that throughout Scripture. Look what it says in Romans 16. I, I, I'm just going to do it anyway. Romans 16, 17. Romans 16, verse 17. It says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to what? The doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. There is a fight in our nation to get rid of this book. You see it. If you don't see it, I don't know where you're hanging out at. But it's all around us. And, and I've been saying this for years. I told you it's going to get worse, didn't I? And guess what? It's going to continue to get worse. But the light can get brighter. God is saving people. There are people of peace. 1 Peter 3, 15. 1 Peter 3:15 says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared what? to make a defense. Apologetics. Apologia. Defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. You do it with gentleness and respect. You do it with gentleness and respect. Not in anger, not trying to prove, not trying to win an argument. You just, but you got to prepare. You got to prepare. I was at Wegmans uh, about a week and a half ago, and I was checking through, and the lady there, she was pretty happy, and we got to talk in. So I, uh, she said something. I said, uh, amen. I, I, I wanted to, I don't normally do that, but uh, I just sensed that you needed to use that word. I, I was testing to see how she'd respond back. And uh, she responded back well. Uh, and we get to talking. And finally she looked at me and says, why are you so happy? I shouldn't ask that. And then she said, why do you have such a, such a positive attitude? And now there's a lady behind me. She's probably not wanting me to say anything. Now, I didn't unload a sermon. I said, you know what? I, here's the answer. I said, I get up every morning. I didn't have a Bible with me. I said, I get up every morning, and I read the Bible, and I pray to God. I said, that's, when I do that, I'm, I'm good, and I'm happy. And when I don't do that, I'm not. And then we checked out, and I left. That was, that was the answer I had at a checkout. You, you, don't, you don't know. Now, there's going to be times where you've got 10 or 15 minutes. You need to be able to say, you know what? I, let's, let's look at that. He said, be prepared. That's part of our mission. The last verse, Matthew 28, 19, 20. We, we know this, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. If you want to know your mission, 
as you go. That's what it means. As you go to work, as you go to school, as you go to the grocery store, whatever it is, go there for and make disciples of all nations. That, if you want to know why you're still left here, you're here to make disciples. Now, first of all, you've got to be a disciple, not a, just a convert, but a disciple. A disciple, I said it earlier a little bit, a disciple is a person who knows Jesus and lives a lifestyle of obeying him. That's all it is. You can get all the fancy definitions, but that's what it is. He says, come follow me, follow me, follow me. That's what a disciple is. I pray today, if you're just a convert, become a disciple. But then it says, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Rest of it. Here we go. There we go. Teaching them what? You say it. Teaching them to what? Observe all that I've commanded. In other words, what he's saying is teach them to obey. So if you're discipling someone, i got three guys that I just started meeting with recently. Big Brandon here. Ross is somewhere. He'll be in the next service. Scott. And we've been talking about this already. The goal of being a disciple is to obey. To obey. To obey. That's really what it's all about. I'll give you a good example of this. There are some movements happening around the world that are just phenomenal. Phenomenal. And most of them are happening in the Middle East and Asia and South America. Very few real miraculous God movements uh, in the U.S. Very few. I think only like three. Now, we see some churches that are doing some good stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a God movement to where there's four generations of multiplication. And this one was uh, in a Muslim village in Africa. And uh, this guy, he was a Muslim, uh, very zealous Muslim. He was a businessman, very, very devout businessman. But God showed up in a dream. He had a dream of Jesus. Now, this is odd. I don't understand all of it. But when he came out of the dream, he was blind. He couldn't see. And so out of that, he came to meet this lady who was a prayer warrior. Prayer warrior lady met him, led him to Jesus, taught him how to obey the word of God, even though he's blind. About a year later, God spoke to him and told him to go to this certain village, and he shared that with the group that was discipling him. Every one of them said, don't go, don't go. You'll never get out of there. They'll kill you. He goes, I'm going. God told me to go there. So here's a blind guy. Think about this. A blind guy looking, going to a village, a very dangerous village. Everyone said, don't go. Looking for a person of peace. How do you look for a person of peace when you can't see? Well, God brought a person of peace to him. Led him to the Lord. Discipled him for a few weeks. They started a small group, which they call a church. He came back to the village where he used to live, and they're all like, wow, that, that, they were amazed. So in a couple more weeks, he went to another unreached village, totally Muslim group. Same thing happened. Here's my point. God has called us to be disciple makers. And if we're not careful, we can come up with all the reasons why we can't. But if a blind guy in Africa among predominantly 90%, 95% people who do not like Christianity, and they're seeing a movement. 
it was started by a praying lady who would pray sometimes two and three nights, but weekly she would stay up all night long to pray. All night. We want to see a God movement, but are we willing to be obedient? You guys come looking forward. Here's a question. Am I in the faith? Am I in the faith? Are, are you walking in the faith? Or are you confused? I'm going to tell you something. If you'll get in the Bible, you'll do what we did a moment ago. It's still going a minute, a minute and a half. Go about 10 or 15 minutes, pray through scripture, write truth. I'm going to tell you, you will not live a life of confusion. Now, if you want to do it your way, let me tell you what. It, God wants you to be successful, but he will allow you to fail. I've done that. He wants you to be successful, but he will allow you to fail if you keep doing it your way. It'll be a confusing life. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Here's the challenge. If you're going through something right now confusing, confusing decision or situation, I want you right there where you're at, give it to God. Say, God, I'm a little confused. Now, there's a difference of being confused and going, I don't know yet. <laughs> okay? There's a difference. Right, Tim? There's a difference. Right, Ted? Right, Eric? There's a difference. But if you're confused, 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 then there's something not correct. And you just say, God, I want to make the right decision. I don't want to live in confusion. I know that you're not a God of confusion. I give this to you right now. I give you this situation, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm, I know I've messed it up. It might take you a few months, a few moments. It might take a week. I don't know. But you can straighten it out. You can make what I've made extremely crooked. You can make it straight. And right now, I choose peace over confusion. I choose peace. Okay, listen, you just need to say it. It'll come. I choose peace over confusion. Now, there's some of you this morning maybe don't know Jesus Christ yet. You've already heard the gospel. The gospel is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for you. You missed the mark. I missed the mark. But Jesus didn't miss the mark. And if you'll put your trust and faith in him right now, just say, Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I confess I've missed the perfect mark of righteousness. But Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. And Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead three days later. And Jesus, right now, I invite you into my life. Matter of fact, not only do I invite you to my life, I choose to make you master of my life. I choose to follow you. Thank you for forgiving me and cleansing me. Today and from this day forward, I will live with clarity as you lead me. In Jesus' name, if you prayed that prayer, go online and let us know. Let one of our ministers know. Let me know. God's good. Amen? Let's sing and praise him. And